You're listening to the Boss Yourself First podcast, Season 2, Episode 13. If you want to be an effective leader, the first person you want to lead effectively is yourself. Self-leadership helps you create better relationships and a more fulfilling life, and in turn, lead others in a more authentic and impactful way. If this piques your interest, then stick around. I'm Robin White, your host, and this is Boss Yourself First. Hey, listeners. Welcome to the Boss Yourself First podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm in such a good mood. (laughs) We are having our very first thunderstorm of the season, which I know for many of you, you may live someplace where that's normal. But I live in Colorado, a really dry place, and usually our thunderstorms last about 15 minutes. But today we've had thunder. It's perfect. It smells good. It sounds wonderful. So I'm bringing all those good vibes to you. And part of those good vibes are letting you know that the Boss Yourself First group coaching program is open, module one. In module one, we're talking about developing emotional agility, learning to love and leverage your emotions. So if you're interested, I would love to have you be a part. It's a six-week module and it will be virtual. And I would love to have you join us. Uh, If you want information about that, uh, go to bossyourselffirst.com and subscribe to the email list, the newsletter. Um, Newsletter subscribers have already had a shot at it for a week. They got early enrollment privileges. uh, And I kind of expect the group to fill up quickly. So please take steps if you're interested to get on that list. I will make sure you get the information. All right, let's get rolling with our next interview in the Constraint Hall of Fame. Our guest today is Master Coach Fran Lamatina. She has been coaching since 1999 and established a niche with organizational leaders, especially in the area of strategic planning, team effectiveness, assessments, and emotional intelligence. And before coaching, she was the director of marketing, public relations, and a partner with Ronald Blue and Company. She has been an adjunct professor at Richmond graduate university and taught at the Institute for Life Coach Training. She presently teaches leadership coaching at the Professional Christian Coaching Institute and the academies. Fran has so many credentials to her name, not to mention the completion of her PhD in 2016, which was when we were working together about four or five years ago now. Um, Fran has been a mentor coach for me and has really given me the benefit of her experience and applicable wisdom around becoming a coach. Welcome, Fran. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, we're excited to have you. And I know that I just ran through some of your many accomplishments, but would you share with us in your own words kind of a little bit about your journey and what you're doing currently as a mentor coach and consultant and teacher? Well, you know, years ago before I became a coach, I remember thinking, I have I have uh, achieved, according to the world's view, um, success, corporate life, all those kinds of things. But I never really thought with my strengths that I now understand, with my personality that I now understand, with all of the with all of the aspects that I've learned through coaching, 
what what was I put on this earth to do? And it was really funny because a friend of mine said to me, Fran, you should be a coach. That's just who you are. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And I went online and the next day I signed up for coach training and it, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But I have never felt so much right in the center of what my gifting is and my passions are. And, you know, if we think about the good to great model with the hedgehog concept, my economic um, engine uh, coaching has just been very, very good to me. And um, I've also learned so much by being a coach. Uh, I consistently say to myself, am I doing this? Am I growing in this area? Am I tolerating in this area or whatever? So it's an, it's an ongoing conversation that I have with myself as well as my clients to keep getting better and better. And, and that to me is the essence of self-leadership. And that's really what successful people do is they lead themselves. And then hopefully they lead others, which is my kind of my little uh, tagline to my brand strategies for greatness, leading yourself and others. So um, it's been a wonderful 21 years at this point, and I'm looking forward to the next season. First off, it's no wonder that I became a self-leadership coach with you as one of my mentors, Fran. You can really hear your passion for self-leadership. Would you explain a little more about the hedgehog concept? So the hedgehog concept is is in a book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. And Jim Collins is one of my favorite authors. In fact, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit um, stuck in my ways, but I'm a big Lencioni, Jim Collins, Maxwell, Stanley, uh, Cloud. I, you know, my favorite authors, I kind of read and reread their stuff. So anyway, the hedgehog concept is really determining, you know, number one, what you're passionate about, number two, what you're good at, and number three, what your economic engine is, which is what you can earn an income or living at. And if you can, if all you put all th- three of those together uh, in, in circles or around you, you come up with what's in the middle and coaching has really been my hedgehog. And um, I just, I just feel like it's so helpful to so many people in so many dimensions. Yes. I think that is really valuable. And thank you so much for clarifying it. Also, That's a really great segue into my next question. I always like to ask my guests, what are you reading? Oh, I'm, you know, right. I always like to talk about what's on deck, but uh, I'm getting ready to read Atomic Habits, Habits, which is the big book these days. And one of the people that I have mentored over the years, who is uh, just a personal friend of mine, Tyler Reagan, who used to be president of Catalyst. He just put a new book out and it's called um, Leading Things You Didn't Start, which, you know, I'm starting. But, you know, right now it's really funny because I have been reading um, uh, Bob Goff's books, uh, Love Does, and I guess Always Something or Other. I just finished those books and um, I'm reading some books on health right now, right? Actually, Eat Smarter. I'm a believer that you want to read a book every year on the areas, the primary areas in your goals. So health is always one of my primary areas. Certainly leadership is, Uh, you know, when we're working with people in the area of coaching, we're usually helping people to change from old habits that aren't working for them to new habits. So Atomic Habits is really the book that a lot of people are talking about. Have you read it yet? I have. 
have, actually. Uh, I read it, I think it came out in like, I want to say 2018, because I've read it several times. And I am, I'm going to have to go back and check, because I think that almost every guest in this Constraint Hall of Fame has mentioned the book Atomic Habits. I love it. You are absolutely right. It is the book to be reading right now. And I do think that it's really foundational uh, to self-leadership. That's one thing I always look at with my clients is uh, what are your habits and are they supporting and aligning with your values and goals? So that was a long answer to the question. Yes, I have read it and I love it. You love it. I've just, I've, I've seen it in application in certain areas and I'm, I'm looking forward to this radical candor. I read and reread. I like to reread things. Um, and, uh, so, so anyway, uh, and then I just finished reading, uh, Andy Stanley's, uh, better decisions, fewer regrets, which is, uh, his latest book. Wow. Okay. I wrote down quite a few recommendations. Thank you, Fran. I, funny thing. I am also reading eat smarter. Ah, you are. That's funny because that's that's not necessarily a book that a lot of people are reading, but I love it. He's I love anybody who tells stories. You know, uh, we have all been educated to tell stories, and um, and when when you can write in a story fashion, it really captures people's attention. I think, and I just also just you know I like when you go to the beach or whatever. I like to read a fiction book, so I just read a Charles Martin. Charles Martin books book who's one of my favorite fiction authors too. Yeah, reading reading has always been my friend. Mm, yeah, books are good company, and I think you're right. As a self leader, you're always seeking to learn, and books are such a powerful vehicle for that. So, thank you so much for sharing your list with us. I'm going to need to add, make some additions to my book list after this episode. Fantastic. Okay, we have some great food for thought around reading. Let's turn our attention to the topic of our season, uh, constraints. We have been talking about constraints, which we're thinking of as limitations that can be self-imposed, imposed by others, or dictated by circumstances. And we'll zero in on some of the constraints of the last year in just a few minutes, but Um, I want to take a minute and talk about, if you would, a time when you have personally dealt with a constraint. So constraints. Oh, goodness gracious. Disappointments and constraints in emotional intelligence. uh, They talk about motivation. And and, uh, I love the fact that that a lot of times the people that come for coaching are people who have had disappointments or constraints that have disrupted their lives. And I love that in emotional intelligence, one of the one of the signs of becoming more and more emotionally intelligent is to recover from those things quickly, as quickly as possible. So, you know, sometimes people have cancer, they may have a divorce, they may have lost a job, whatever. Some people never recover from those constraints. And, you know, I like to I like to say, you know, we what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, as the saying goes. Um I, I really like to see those those pivotal circumstances as opportunities to maybe shift into a different situation. So so for me, my most recent constraint has been that I had a back injury and I was confined to the bed for three weeks, which is like 
killing me because I'm a very active person. Um, so while I was doing that and while I was uh, really learning how to uh, just accept that I don't always get what I want when I want it, uh, I really worked, I really thought about how many people are really dealing with illness dealing with nerve pain. I've never had nerve pain till then. And there are so many people that have that. Um, so what happened with me is I went to a different level of health with eliminating inflammatory foods, with exercising twice a day instead of once, with making sure I get in a pool, with making sure that um, I am really paying attention to getting myself in a position where if I want to finish strong in life, which is really important and something that occupies a lot of my thought these days, um, I want to be, I want to age gracefully as they say, and I want to be healthy because I love to travel. I love to do a lot of things and you can't do those things if you're not healthy. So I think a lot of people have a health constraint and they really don't realize that if they don't, the younger you deal with it, the younger you deal with getting really healthy, you know, the, the longer you live. Um, I, I go to this natural doctor. And when I first went to him 20 years ago, I had parasites in my system. I had been traveling uh, significantly and I couldn't get well. And it turned out that I had parasites. So he gave me something to deal with it. But he told me through the, through the process that he goes through that I had a health age of 80. I bet that was a shock. 20 years ago, 80. I, I almost fell off my chair. And, you know, that that has to do these parasites were eating up my my intestines and all this kind of stuff. It sounds nasty. You know, I just had no energy and I didn't know what was going on. Um, so I've been working for many years now with with the changes from that constraint, which, you know, when we have something like that, we make significant changes. My health age is now 30 ish. Wow. Okay, we might have to make uh, another episode to take a deeper dive on some of those changes that you made, but wow. But it took a lot of work to get there, and uh, I'm very motivated to maintain that because I don't want to be unhealthy. I want to go into uh, later years with with passion and with commitment and with energy and vitality and I just don't see a lot of people making goals for that. And that's what I want to help people do, you know, from a health perspective, from a professional perspective, you know, retirement is not something that is born in anything other than a political, a political process that was started in right after World War II when there were no places for the GIs to come back and work. And um, so that so the government and, and industry came up with a process where they offered pensions to older people, which no longer are really there. We have IRAs and things like that. Very few companies offer pensions, but they offered pensions to older people so that they would leave the workplace and provide openings for younger people. So there are so many people that talk about the the, you know, the magical age of 65 as retirement, when in reality, many people can't can't thrive in retirement. So, you know, depending upon what your life, your life goal is, depending upon your health, depending upon your financial situation, all sorts of things. Um, you know, I'm, I see few, not as many people, I wouldn't say the word few, but I see not, not as many people really having a plan to finish strong. And, um, 
you know, take those constraints that we've had along the way and learn from them and be better. Okay, there was so much there. I love that you see constraints as an opportunity to shift. And what I'm hearing is that the younger you start, the stronger you finish. Meaning the younger you start this work, this intention, then the stronger you end up intentionally working on your health, intentionally working on your vision for what finishing stronger really means. Love it. Who are your heroes when it comes to dealing with constraint? You know, some of my heroes are people who have very strong personalities that, you know, that maybe caused relational issues over time. Maybe they didn't deal with conflict and they were in this personal prison of becoming more and more fragile as time went on. Um, I love the people that, that are courageous enough to look themselves in the mirror. Here's another Jim Collins from Good to Great. Look yourself in the mirror rather than look out the window to blame somebody else. I love people that take personal responsibility for getting better. Those are my heroes. And it's never easy. You know, in emotional intelligence, uh, Goldman and, and a lot of people who are big in that arena will say that 50% of our success is about our emotional intelligence, which starts with self-awareness. And, you know, the people who really work on that work on instead of learning these things to be self-focused, they they really learn to be others focused and they learn to really contribute to the world and um, and help other people be better. I love bringing out the best in other people. And there are people who aren't coaches that do that in a much more masterful way than I do. And those are my heroes. I really appreciate what you said about awareness. I always say that awareness is the beginning of all work. And the thing I found about awareness, particularly self-awareness, is that the more we understand ourselves, the more insight we have into others, and the more grace we offer. Okay, let's gain a little insight into your process, Fran. When you work with a client, someone shows up who's dealing with a constraint. How do you help them identify it? And how do you help them move forward? So a lot of times when, you know, when, when people come for coaching, they usually do have a constraint. They usually have, you know, what you call a presenting issue, right? And um I will typically start out with with um, with people with um, understanding their personality, doing some kind of personality assessment. I like to do a strengths assessment, and then I like to just go into their life life and what their belief system is. Because a lot of times, the reason we have constraints is because of a belief system we have. It may be that we believe we can't do something. It may be that we think we don't have the stamina to do something. It may be that we want to do something that. involves a move to another city or another country or whatever. And people have constraints for all different reasons. Sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes I I just had somebody who came in and said, you know, I did a lot of uh, marijuana when I was young and, you know, my brain cells are destroyed. So I can't do things that other people who, you know, I'm studying the brain and I don't, I just don't have that brain capacity. I'm like, whoa, let's hold on on that. Uh, Maybe some of that is true, but let's talk about 
how deep it is or whatever. So, so people will come in with all sorts of um, self-talk that I like to call the voice of the butcher. You know, it's like beating us down all the time, cutting us apart. And I like to help people change their self-talk a lot of times because I think that's that's the core of it. And you, usually that self-talk is grounded in beliefs that we have about ourselves. Um, so, you know, I had a belief about myself as a, as a New York, New York born and raised, raised person, moved down to the South. And, you know, I could see that most of the women in the South were not, you know, deep personalities like I am, strong personalities. And I allowed a lot of people to shame me with that. And I allowed a lot of people to tell me that, you know, I wasn't acting like a professional because I was very direct. And, you know, I certainly had to learn to soften. And I've certainly had to learn to be more respectful. I didn't even realize I was being disrespectful in some of these things when I would challenge uh, in some ways. But um, I really think that there are so many ways that we can move forward and grow and um, overcome limitations that really aren't there that we allowed somebody to define with us. I love to believe that we as coaches get to speak words of life to people, words of possibility, words of, you know, is that true? You know, just questioning in a way that, that enables people to redefine themselves. Okay. So it sounds like when a client starts with you, you're going to help right off the bat, creating awareness with a strengths assessment, uh, perhaps some kind of personality assessment. But then you're really going to dig into, I believe you called it a presenting issue, which is often a constraint. And you're going to explore their beliefs around that constraint. And then continue building awareness by comparing those beliefs with the truth. That's a powerful process. Yes. And, and with those beliefs, their circumstances, like a lot of times what I try to look for is as they, as they define their circumstances and they tell me something that they've overcome that they don't even look at as overcoming. I like to camp out on that a while and say, okay, you did a great thing right there. What, what happened there that seems not to be something that you've allowed yourself to believe that you can do things that you didn't necessarily think you could do before. Hey, listeners, I am going to interrupt this interview right here because I know I have a number of listeners who are coaches and I want to take full advantage of this interview with a master coach. Did you catch what Fran is doing? It is so powerful and such a great skill. I don't want you to miss it. She knows that cognitively, it is much easier for our brains to notice what's gone wrong, what's going wrong. It's how we're wired. But she's distinctly and intentionally calling her clients focus to something that's gone right, something that they've done well, an obstacle they overcame, so that they start to recognize and more easily focus on what's going right. And use that to break through limiting beliefs. Okay, let's get back to Fran. And uh, I love to explore those kinds of things with folks. I'm not a big person who believes in like pat questions. 
And I'm also not a coach who believes that there are no principles, no guiding principles of leadership. That's why I call myself an executive coach and leadership consultant. I like to share principles of leadership and I like to ask questions about their experience and try to marry those two things to where they're helpful to that person in their in their life situation. Thank you for letting us peek inside uh, the the work of a master coach. That was really interesting. Okay, let's let's look at the specific constraints the pandemic brought for you. Could you kind of walk us through that? Well, I think I told you that I, you know, I had that back issue. So what I did, I had to say to myself, okay, my health is truly my number one priority. What does that mean? And it meant that I couldn't speak to as many clients in a day. It meant that I really had to exercise. I had to get out and walk. I had to get in the pool and, you know, and get the water therapy. I had to inconvenience myself on those time, time consuming things and, so I, I actually cut down the number of hours I was available for coaching. Um, and, and, you know, I tried to follow the guidelines as much as I could, uh, altering my life with, you know, not, not going out for, for a while. I just hardly even went out. I'm pretty diligent about, you know, wearing my mask and not, you know, doing social distancing and all those kinds of things. My poor mom, my mom is in an assisted living place. She has not been out of there. She has not been out of that building for 13 months. So she has gotten her vaccine uh, and we are actually going to have family Easter dinner at my home, which we have not had. Nobody got to come this year. It was, it was sad. You know, dealing with sadness, I think has been a big part of the constraints with people. And uh, I like to say leaders have lives and I've never spent as much time with my clients than I have this past year, just talking about their coping with the pandemic and trying to help. I remember in the beginning, it was so funny because most people have one office in their home and many people were two, two career people. And it was funny because I would say, so who has the who has the office and who has the kitchen table? And it was funny because there was typically conflict around that in the home and, uh, you know, things like that. But I have spent more time talking to people just about coping with the adjustments. And, um, you know, sometimes I feel like, is that counseling? But, you know, they need that kind of help to move forward. And in many cases, they're stuck at home. They're not talking to the people that they typically talk to. And they get on the phone with us as coaches. And they're like, you know, one guy said to me, he said, you know what? I realized I ha- I didn't know my children. He said, being home for all these months, I, I'm getting in touch with my children in ways I never have. And it's really wonderful. So that's the other thing trying to help people see some of the positive things. A lot of women, you know, 2.2 million women have been out of the workforce during this pandemic. And uh, many of them, it's by choice because they've realized, you know, I kind of like being at home and making dinner for my family. And, you know, it's a whole lot less stressful if I'm at home now. And many of them have gone to part-time, which, you know, if that's their wish, I'm thrilled for them. Um, and many of them have chosen a different a different outlet on life in terms of doing something that works with their family situation. And I've seen men do it as well. Um, I have one of my clients who's an executive. His wife owns a couple of um, hair salons, and he's he's the one that is working from home, and he's 
taking care of the kids. And I love when when families do non-traditional kinds of ways of, of working with life. So it's been it's been fun to see people be resourceful. So you kind of had your health constraint at the beginning of the pandemic, and it sounds like you uh, scaled back your business. You self-imposed a constraint there. And then as the pandemic wore on, it sounds like a lot of your your client work had to do with helping people adjust to the new constraints of of multiple people working at home and kind of what that does to the the home life balance and the family dynamic. Well, and and you know the the good part of this is talking about eating smarter um is there's been more time to make healthy food. Um you know, there's no catching fast food during this time or whatever. Now, some people still are, but I find that more people are finding that they like to cook and uh, sharing that and 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 getting a new creative outlet in that way. Um, it's people have tried a lot of different things. And, um, you know, you have a, you have some people who talk about the covid weight and then you have other people who say I've never been he- healthier than I've been during the covid season which is really is really an interesting dichotomy yeah okay as we've been talking this season about constraint we've talked about the different stages of processing constraint and that the first stage is victim where you're disoriented and and trying to understand these new limits then there's neutralizer where you kind of figure out how to continue with your goals, the ones you had before the constraint. You can figure it out one way or another. And then there's the transformer stage where, yeah, you're still getting your goals, but you're actually seeing a bigger picture and achieving things beyond that. It's that shift you were talking about. It starts to happen. So when you point out some of these things around new family bonds and understanding and new creative habits that have come forward, to me, that's the transformation stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Fran, I know we touched on this just a little bit, but specifically, what advice would you offer for those who are dealing with the constraint of age? I think age is one of the most misunderstood phenomenons. Uh, I've seen people who are 70 who are more vital than people who are 30. And I've seen people who are 30 that are couch potatoes and not, you know, they, they just don't eat well or exercise. And they're really setting up their lives for, um, for not a healthy outcome. Um, so Age to me is really a frame of mind. Um, and some people really, really are focused on almost un- in an unhealthy way on being young. Like I see moms who wear clothes that their teenagers wear or, uh, or I see older people who, uh, you know, they might, they might try to look very young in, in, in their physical appearance. But I really believe that age is that frame of mind, is that vitality, is that feeling that I still have purpose. I have gifts that I can still keep utilizing. Uh, I have, I have uh, things I want to give to other people. I want to give away my life. 
uh, instead of holding it in. I personally just think that if people are just retiring to go play golf and, and be self-indulgent kind of thing, which is, you know, I guess that sounds like a real uh, judgment kind of thing, but I just don't see that many people who really enjoy that in the long run. You know, definitely enjoying life is an important thing, but just being so self-focused and not giving your life away to other people. I think that ages us. And, and I think that in many respects, people look at that as the exact opposite, that it's, you know, it's the benefits of age. And there are benefits of not having the schedule we've had and all of that. But to me, to me, age is just, is just how we look at it more than how it is, how it is physically. Hmm. Could, could you expand a little and, and share more of your thoughts on those benefits of age? Well, definitely lots of years of experience to where you know, uh-oh, that over there, that may not go well. Now, of course, in some respects, people who age don't try things because they feel like, well, I made a mistake at it one time and I'm not going to try it again. That's why I love the, say, this, the saying, it's not experience, but evaluated experience that makes us better. You know, as we have experiences, how could we have done that better? How could how could that have you know, you know, brought more positive or even negative consequences, whatever. Um, so I think certainly if you've, if you've led a life of self-leadership, you wind up in a place where you've got a lot of wisdom that you've gotten both experientially, uh, intellectually, uh, through skills you've developed, uh, perspective. I, I find myself, I'm so much more, um, accepting of other people, so much more understanding when I make a mistake or other people make a mis- mistake. Um, I the another benefit of age, I think, if you age well or finish well, um, is you value relationships more than results over time. You realize that relationships are really the key to life. It's not how much money you earn or how many trophies you have, as the saying goes, but. How many relationships do you have? I like to think, you know, we used to talk, we used to use Rolodexes. I like to think of our contacts, you know, how many contacts do you have later in life and how many of those people do you really see? How many of those people do you do life with? Uh, To me, that's one of the benefits of, you know, aging gracefully or, you know, having a full life as you age and being out and about, you know, with other people, not just isolating. A lot of times as people get older, they isolate and aren't as active. I don't want to be one of those people. I want to be out there with people and active. Mm, yeah. I. That's really interesting to hear your perspective. And I know you've done the work as a self-leader, but I think that there are some sort of cultural stigmas with aging that sometimes we just automatically buy into and don't even question. And I think a lot of the work of a self-leader is is really looking at those. And as you said before, creating awareness around those and comparing it with the actual truth. Yeah, I love your insights on the benefits of aging. Okay, let's sort of land this plane, land this interview. And I have one more question. What are you currently working on 
that you're really excited about? Well, I think I've, I've alluded to the fact that, um, I'm really focusing on finishing strong, helping people finish strong, helping people as soon as they possibly can to start determining their values and their goals for what what life looks like uh, after whatever it is you're presently in. Like many people work for corporations that that you know have a timeline at 62, at 65, you're you know you're out of here. Or many people are looking forward to stopping doing what they're doing now and doing something else. So to me, I love helping people like get a side gig while they're still full time and start doing what they love to do on the side, you know, determining what they value, what they feel like their greatest contribution has been. They may not have been able to earn an income from it or and maybe they don't really need to earn an income. But how can they do more of what they love? Like I've gotten into essential oils as part of my um, my health regimen. And of course, I think that's one of the reasons I've been able to achieve such good results. But for a while, I thought, okay, I'm going to I'm going to become a health advocate. Well, really, I feel like, yes, that's good for me. And it's good to share with my friends and family. But I want to I have a wonderful health advocate who helps me with all of that. I feel like what I've been put on the earth to do is to help people know their goals, figure out how they want to spend their time. Like one like one person I know says they want they want to grow their children up so that when they're older, they love to come home and be with their parents and their siblings. Well, that takes a lot of work. You don't just make that goal when you're 65 years old. You have to start that when you're 40-ish or 30-ish or 20-ish when you're when you're having your children. Um, so so finishing strong to me and and really looking forward to uh, the, few, the the later years, the winters of our lives, as they call it, is is setting goals and understanding. It's not just financial goals. You know, most people have goals for later in life. They're just financial if they have them. But really, what kind of life they want to live in addition to how much money they want to have to do it with. And that's what I want to help people do more and more. I've worked more. I've worked a lot of time in, in corporate world. And I plan to keep doing that. But I also really want to help people finish strong, whether they're my corporate uh, clients or people who contact me just to do that. Mm, that is exciting. And, and so needed. As the bulk of our population ages, getting connected to that vision of what finishing strong looks like, super exciting work. And live longer. And, you know, and, and if you're forced out of your company at 62 or 65, you know, you might live to be 100. My mother is 92 and she is thriving. And, you know, that's that's one of the things that, that I think people need to think about. Well, you've given all of us a lot to think about. And what's the best way for those who want to connect with you, maybe hear more about this whole finishing strong, what's the best way to do that? Well, I'm in the process of building a website with that for that with my strategies for greatness, which is the name of my business. So that will be coming on shortly, and I'll be, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to be making different things available for that. But um, if you're interested in uh, in the coaching process around that, my my email address is Fran at strategiesforgreatness.com. Um, it's strategies i e s and then for f o r and then just greatness. Um, but you know, finishing strong is not something that you just have a, 
30, 30 minute conversation about it's really about changing the way you think going forward. And I know I've done, I'm in the process of doing it. I can't say I've done it. I'm in the process of doing it and it's wonderful and I love it. And I love to share it with as many people as I can. Well, Fran, thank you so much for being here for such a fun and rich conversation. And I personally want to thank you for all that you've done for me as a mentor coach and and how much your investment in me means. So I'm really delighted to have had you here and get to share you with the world. Thank you. It's been fun. Hey, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Fran. You know, yes, I shared with you she was a mentor coach for me, but she's also an inspiration. Fran finished her PhD when she was 60, and that was right about the time I started working with her, and I know that she walks her talk. She really does plan to finish strong, and she's doing the work to make sure that happens. So she inspires me. And before I hit record on this interview, Fran told me that her motto is that it's never too late. And I thought, you know, as obsessed as we are in our culture with time, the freedom of that statement, it's never too late, is wonderful. So yes, she continues to inspire me. And I hope you found some things to pull out that inspire you. I also wanted to let you know that the Boss Yourself First coaching program, module one is open. It's a group coaching program. It will be virtual. It's a six week program. And the first module focuses on our emotions and developing that emotional agility. Because here's the thing, Boss Yourself First is a self-leadership program. And being a self-leader means leading all the parts of yourself. And a big part of that is your emotion. So we start there because often those are the most easy to recognize um, in creating that awareness. Remember, awareness is the beginning of all work. So, um, So I hope you can join me. If you're interested, sign up for the Boss Yourself First newsletter. I will be continually sending out links until that particular group is full. I kind of expect it to fill up fast and my newsletter subscribers have already gotten early bird access. So uh, if you're interested, go over to bossyourselffirst.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and we will make sure you get that information. This has been such a fun time together. I hope you're enjoying this Constraint Hall of Fame series, and I look forward to next week. You're going to love next week's guest as well. In the meantime, my friends, take care. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found something to grab hold of and apply in your life. As always, any link or information mentioned in this episode can be found at bossyourselffirst.com in the podcast section. And if we haven't connected yet, and I would love to, DM me on Instagram at bossyourselffirst or come to the Boss Yourself First Facebook page and let me know how you're doing and what you think. I would really love to meet you. Thanks for being here and being you. Now get out there and lead with courage and kindness and boss yourself first and add your amazingness to the world. We sure need it. Talk to you soon, my friends.